You're listening to the Irish Times Business Podcast. Brought to you by Ryanair Business Plus. Business made simple. It's October the 29th. I'm Tom Lyons and you're very welcome to this week's edition of the Irish Times Business and Technology Podcast. Later in studio, I'll be discussing cider giant CNC and its rumoured entry into the pub business with the Irish Times' Mark Paul and Barry O'Halloran. But first, this week, German Finance Minister Wolfgang Schobel will arrive in Ireland to sign off on a German-funded initiative to provide cheap loans to Irish businesses. I'm joined by the Irish Times Berlin correspondent Derek Scally to tell us uh, what's going on. Uh, Derek, what's going to happen later this week in relation to this? Uh, good afternoon, Tom. Well, what happens is uh, Wolfgang Schäuble will arrive on uh, Friday. Uh, he'll be joined by uh, Mr. Hoyer, who's the president of the European Investment Bank. And these two, uh, the German finance minister and the European Investment Bank, have both agreed to provide 150 million euro each in low interest loans. Uh, to the new Irish Strategic Investment Bank. And what they hope is, by raising money cheaply on money markets, as the, as Germany can do through its KFW, Development Bank, and the European Investment Bank, they can pass on these uh, this, this uh, benefits to uh, Irish small and medium-sized enterprises. These have been complaining, of course, for a very long time that since the euro crisis, it's been very difficult for them to raise money from banks, or if there's money available, it's at such extortionate rates that it really doesn't make their investment worthwhile. So they're squeezed of capital, and as part of uh, Ireland's uh, when the Taoiseach and the Kenny last November announced Ireland's exit from uh, the EU IMF program. You might remember he talked, uh, he had said he had spoken to Angela Merkel and she had said she saw the need to encourage SME spending and investment in Ireland. And before this, uh, she was anxious that the KFW, which is a state-owned German bank, would uh, make a contribution. So what we're seeing on on uh, Friday is uh, the climax of these uh, negotiations that have been going on since then. And how come it's taken a full a full year, Derek, to, to, to get to close these negotiations off and actually get the money lending? I mean, in the meantime, Irish SMEs have just had to get on with it. Exactly. Well, the problem is that the KFW is a state-owned bank, but they have a way of doing things, and they didn't have anyone to lend the money to because the KFW doesn't want to lend money to Irish businesses. It wants to provide finance so that an Irish bank could take the money off its hands and then distribute it to, uh, to Irish uh, high street banks. So the way it's supposed to work is that if you're looking for a loan to buy some machinery for your company, you would go into your bank, to AIB or Bank of Ireland, and they would offer you a low interest loan, a, a small part of this 150 million. And then the bank, the AIB, would then go and draw down the money. But there wasn't a link between AIB and Bank of Ireland and the KFW. So that link had to be created. And that is the Strategic Investment Bank. Uh, The KFW will only lend its money to a similar size or similar style institution in Ireland. There wasn't anything like that. So it actually was up to Ireland to come up with something like this. And the the Strategic Investment Bank is coming on stream. There'll be money from uh, from the KFW. There'll be money from the European Investment Bank, from the Pension Reserve Fund. And now that's up and running, uh, we can get down to business. That's why it's taken so long. And the, the KFW, can you tell us a bit, Derek, about like where, where its origins came from and uh, how experienced is it as a lender? Yes, the KFW is a very big player in Germany. It's one of the biggest banks here. It was initially set up um, after the Second World War, and one of its first tasks was actually to distribute the um, 
the Marshall Plan Fund. Uh, the full name is the Kreditanstalt für Wiederaufbau, which basically means it's there to rebuild. And its initial task was quite literally to rebuild Germany using uh, Allied funds. And since then, it's moved on. Uh, it's still an active player uh, in the German economy. It invests in, in um, uh, the SME, it invests in development projects and anything that the government, which is its uh, 100% owner, feels is politically um, uh, prudent. At the moment, for instance, Germany is trying to uh, get everyone to insulate their houses. So the KFW will give you a, a low-interest loan for that. Uh, they also are very active uh, in the developing world. But up, up until the Euro crisis, really, Europe was not on their radar. But uh, when a call came from the Chancellery in Berlin, uh, Angela Merkel to the KFW, who are based in Frankfurt, and she says, by the way, you're going into business in Ireland, um, they really have no option but to follow the Chancellor's orders. And uh, Derek, we're told all the time now that we're we're in recovery and things are getting better and all of that sort of stuff. You know, like, do we really need a, a bank to come in and save us, uh, just as the Marshall Plan uh, did for Europe? Uh, you know, back in World War Two. Well, I suppose um, there was a lot of talk of uh, we need a Marshall Plan for Europe, so perhaps it could be viewed in that way. Um, you could also say, well, nobody's forcing anyone to borrow the money, so if they don't need it, perhaps the money will go back <laughs> in a sealed envelope to, to Frankfurt. But um, I think uh, the SMEs have been in such a terrible position for such a long time. I imagine they would say anything, uh, particularly competitive low-interest loans, uh, would be would be very welcome. And I think this is key, that uh, even though the, the financial position, Ireland's reputation in financial markets and thus interest rates have been improving generally, uh, we're talking about a AAA country, uh, Germany, which is effectively the owner of the KFW, and they're getting very low interest rates. Uh, they haven't told me yet how low the interest rates will be for Ireland, but they are going to pass that on to Ireland. All they're looking for is to get their money back and to cover their costs. They're not looking for a massive markup, and the conditions of the loans will be that the banks who, uh, who are lending to their customers, the high street banks, but they also cannot whack on a huge margin. But this competitive rate, which has to be passed along every stage, in the chain, and that I think will be welcome. Uh, it will, it could make the difference for SMEs being able to borrow at an okay rate or at a quite a cutting edge rate. So if, obviously the, pract- the practice will uh, be key for this. But um, I think considering what the SMEs have been through in the recent years, uh, I think everything will be welcome. And Barry O'Halloran, to bring you in there, um, 150 million, isn't that just a bit of a drop in the ocean for Irish SMEs who've been sitting around since 2008, uh, six years ago, waiting for this type of lending? Yeah, I think it'll take a lot more than 150 million to, to rebuild the Republic um, and and its SMEs. I, I think there are a couple of points here. The first thing is that actually, the, the, fundamentally, it's a good idea. Back in the 90s, um, we, we used something similar, and you could argue that it helped to kick off the Celtic Tiger. We used, we used our own then state banks for that. I'm not really sure why we have to have so many layers. Why does there have to be something? Why does there have to be something sitting in between uh, the the KWF, the EIB, and the actual lending banks here? Why does that have to happen? Um, particularly, and and why at this stage um, are our own banks possibly not looking at coming up with their own specifically tailored schemes for SMEs? What do you think of that, Mark Paul? Do you think that would you agree with Barry that you know that we need the expertise of KFW and the maybe, or do you, do you think that there is too many layers and that like surely we should, they should just give us the money and let the let the traditional banks hand it out? Well, well I think the um, I think you're right in terms of that the money is just a drop in the ocean, but it's the expertise that will come from the KFW that I think could be 
of more value to the economy. I mean, Irish banks really don't have a clue how to lend to small to small businesses unless there's an asset backing it up. And if you're a small technology company, I mean, you don't own your studio probably. Um, you don't own the building that you're in. And, and if you go to an Irish bank, the first thing they'll ask you for is, uh, is, is what security can you put up? Now, maybe some of the expertise that'll filter through from the KFW will show Irish banks how to lend on cash flow um, and, and how to lend uh, how, how to lend properly to small businesses and, uh, and not just keep looking for, uh, for property-backed security all the time, which is really what Irish banks got used to doing right throughout the boom. They had an orgy of it, property lending, and, uh, and, 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 and the expertise that comes from this link-up with the KFW may prove to be much more valuable in the long term than, than the money itself. And I think that is a crucial point um, that the KFW do bring expertise to the table um, and they, the reason there are so many layers is that's really how they do business. They don't lend to commercial banks and if there wasn't a, a, a KFW equivalent in Ireland there would have been no money. Um, I think uh, what Mark said is right at the KFW I've got an interview with uh, the, the man who steered the talks on behalf of the bank in Friday's uh, newspaper in the business section but what he said he was when they were actually looking at how Irish banks operated they were surprised that they, they knew a lot about how to lend property lenders, but they didn't know a lot about how to lend SME companies. And considering he was surprised how crucial the SMEs are to the Irish economy, they're as crucial, he said, as Germany, it seemed to him, to have banks not able to, not having the competence for such a crucial part of the economy it seemed strange to him. So if there was anything they could do to improve that competence, um, they would be improved, they would be very welcome to assist. Also, in terms of dropping the ocean, uh, it's 150 from Germany, it's 150 from the European Investment Bank. The pension fund will be putting in money, and um, uh, I'm sure the Irish government is happy to uh, add whatever it can. So, if somebody's offering 150 million to complain that it's too little, I suppose the person might just put the money in the pocket and walk out the door again. And Derek, do you have any sense, like you know, that like this this 150 or 300 million, uh, you know, like how long did it, or how quickly do you expect them to deploy that? And could there be additional funds uh, down the tracks? Yes, they've said that it's it's. Um, the, the door is open for business for around about 10 years. They haven't ruled out if Merkel or if Merkel is still in Austin 10 years or somebody else says that we'd like you to, to keep going in Ireland. It's been a tremendous success. Uh, there could be a longer uh, a longer uh, stay in Ireland. Um, they're very cagey whether they're like any extra money. Um, they're not, I mean, to be honest, the KFW aren't terribly thrilled about having to do this. They've done something similar in Spain. Greece is also up there. This is um, not what they do as a bank. They're a development bank. They're like they're off in the developing world, but this is now being used as a, as a political tool that uh, Anglo American banks just to send out a signal that countries that um, have been successful reformers uh, need stimulus too. She's not just the austerity queen that people make her out to be. Is, is, is her message, and um, that the KFW is basically on orders from her to make this money available to Ireland, to Spain, to other countries that are reforming uh, to try and get things moving. So it could be a longer-term engagement, but uh, if, if the KFW, what I've heard from them, they'd be happy to get, uh, get in and out. Derek Scully, Irish Times Berlin correspondent, uh, thanks for coming on the programme. You can read more about uh, German lending to Irish SMEs uh, in this Friday's newspaper. From just $69.99 one way, new Ryanair Business Plus gives you premium seating, a flexible ticket, security fast track, a checked bag, but no business class curtain. Ryanair. Business made simple. Subject to availability. See Ryanair.com for more details.
Turning to the big uh, Irish corporate story of the week, uh, that is CNC, uh, whose share price has been taking a bit of a hammering uh, this Wednesday. Uh, Mark Paul, what exactly is going on here? Um, well, last Thursday night, um, uh, news leaked that CNC is uh, considering putting together a bid of uh, about a billion euros for a pub company in the UK called Spirit Pub Company. It, uh, it operates about 1,200 pubs. And um, this caused an immediate 10% slide in its share price uh, at the beginning of last weekend. And then this week, they came out with their interim results, um, um, which were very, very poor, very, very below market expectations. Um, um, and I think the market just doesn't believe the company's strategy at the moment. Uh, and there's two, there's two main problems. First off, um, um, the market doesn't uh, agree that CNC should be out buying pubs. Uh, it's, a, it's a company that makes drinks. And I think, well, what do you know about the retail business and selling drinks? Uh, and the other part of it is that um, CNC made an enormous bet on a America uh, two years ago. They spent $305 million buying a cider company over there and uh, it just hasn't paid dividends. It's a tiny part of the business. Um, so uh, it, it's two biggest markets geographically, England and, and America. Um, 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 CNC is really in big trouble in both of those markets. Um, and uh, uh, Ireland and Scotland, uh, uh, which are the core financial part of its business, but they're, they're, they're relatively small markets, so the, the opportunities for growth are pretty limited. They're doing quite well. Um, but CNC uh, has to address two issues now. It has to address America. Uh, uh, the market is, is, is effectively demanding that it addresses the American problem. Um, and it'll be interesting to see then uh, uh, how deeply involved it gets in this takeover battle for Spirit Pub Company. And what are the arguments in favour, Mark, of, of a taking over Spirit? I mean, is there anybody among the inv- investor analysts or shareholders who are saying, you know, actually this makes a lot of sense? It's a, it's it's an old principle known as vertical integration, which is, uh, uh, you know, I mean, you know, kind of might make some people's eyes glaze over. But what it effectively means is that um, um, you own different parts of the business at different stages of the process before it hits consumers. So if you're a drinks company, you make the drinks and then you also own the pubs that sell the drinks. Um, CNC's problem in England and Wales has been that it can't get shelf space. It can't get sh- uh, space on the shelves of, of pubs because its competitors are nudging it out of the way. So CNC's answer is well then we'll just buy a whole load of pubs and we'll just stuff our own drinks onto it and we'll keep everybody else's off. Um, so it's a way of distributing your own drinks. It's a way of finding retailers who will sell your drinks and the way you find them is that you own them. And what do you think Barry? I mean do you think that this deal, you know, the, like is this another sort of CNC, you know, it's constantly reinventing its, itself but like never quite performing or performing as strongly as it should be for shareholders? Well, I, I think first, I, I, I take Mark's point about about you know owning your owning your distributor, but I think the market is right to be skeptical, and I think the market is right to be skeptical because they spent what three hundred they spent three hundred five million dollars of their shareholders' money on Woodchuck in the Eastern United States, kind of the order of two years ago. Everybody thought this was the big breakthrough, um, and it hasn't turned out to be. And I, there, I noticed that their their accounts, which I know Mark has gone into in great detail today, but their accounts point out that they've they've really run into a number of unexpected problems in the U.S., such as the fact that a the market isn't as big as they thought it was, and b uh, there are a lot more new competitors coming into it. Um, you'd have to question the judgment of a company that that seems to have made sort of two fairly fundamental mistakes in going into a new market. Uh, in in turning around and doing something as radical as as buying uh, 1,200 pubs. And Mark, when you look at this, you know, like the the timing, you know, that this story sort of leaked out last week, you know, let's do a billion euro deal. 
uh, well, we've got these really bad results coming. Uh, how much of that do you think is like sort of like that? Like it's sort of like should the management are do they appear distracted that you know they've got a really bad set of results and like yet they're saying we're off over here trying to do a billion euro deal? Well, that's a theory that 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 we have heard being bandied about in the last couple of days. All right, that perhaps this is a way of distracting them. CNC would have it that they weren't behind the leak at all, um, and that they approach see Spirit Pub Company, the, the 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 pub company that they're looking at buying was already under offer or is already under offer from another company called Green King and uh, the, the the story from the CNC side would be that um, when they came in with an offer that it was leaked out to try and spark some sort of a bidding war um, and they were very reactive on Thursday night they weren't prepared for the leak when it came out um, um, and they were very difficult to get a hold of when we were trying to get a story together for the Irish Times uh, which we eventually managed to get together quite late so um, yeah it, look I suppose there are cheaper ways to distract from uh, a set of uh, uh, poor interim results and uh, you know making a 1 billion euro bid for a pump company is probably an extreme way of doing it um, I'd say I'd say the leak probably came from the vendor side um, um, from the, 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 the advisors around Spirit Pub Company um, it's a way of creating a bidding war it's a way of, of creating interest around the asset that they're trying to sell and uh, uh, CNC you know I mean they may now have to look for a partner to uh, make a bid for this company and really management have staked their reputations on this as well I mean Stephen Glancy and Kenny Neeson the, the chief executive and the CFO they were part of what was originally called the Three Wise Men uh, who came in from Scottish Newcastle to rescue um, uh, CNC a couple of years ago um, and uh, uh, maybe they've lost their touch in, in, in the last while or, or maybe they haven't but you know their big bet in the US hasn't worked out the market doesn't like what they're trying to do here um, they've got a big job on their hands now to try and convince shareholders that they're back on the right track and Barry CNC's management you know we've heard the first story as Mark said there was you know let's break America that didn't quite work out then it's like let's get into the pub business that hasn't worked out so far uh, like do you think that CNC's management you know should they not be thinking you know well what's happening in the drinks industry where everything seems to be consolidating and uh should they be the ones looking to create shareholder value and in, in in trying to attract a potential bidder that is possibly one way around it and and I mean you would have thought at one stage that CNC was probably an undervalued stock, and certainly kind of in the wake of the the, the American deal, that it, you know it looked to have a lot of upside potential. But right now, if you're looking at it, if you're coming in from outside, you're you're looking at a business that um, that appears not to have a terribly great direction, and uh, is is kind of walking itself into a potential bidding war because it doesn't look like they're going to get spirit at the price. Uh, at which they are supposed to have offered f- at, at the, the, the price that they've offered. Um, so you'd have to be looking, from the outside you'd be saying, you know, you, you'd really want to pass that one up, wouldn't you? Um, you'd, you'd wait and see what, it, what, what happens at the, at the end of the spirit process and maybe then you would consider going in when you've got a possibly quite a battered management um, who, who would be very willing to talk actually, to you. Actually, one of, one of the more interesting theories that's been doing rounds in a couple of days is that C&C, um, Spirit Pub Company and Green King, its rival, that the three of those companies should combine. That's one that's been floated by a lot of London analysts who said it would solve an awful lot of problems. I mean, C&C doesn't know how to run pubs, but Green King does. Um, um, Green King has a very, very poor list of drinks products that it could sell in its pubs, but C&C has a great list of drink products. And Spirit, well, it just wants to be bought by somebody so it can return all its cash to its shareholders and its management can walk away. If you stuck the three of them together, like a, you know, the three legs of a stool, perhaps the whole thing would stand up. Well, we're going to have to we're going to have to wait and see whether that happens or not. I mean, Barry, if if nothing happens, you know, say we don't see, you know, some sort of a deal, or do you think that there's going to be real hard questions asked of CNC's management? You know, they've been in there a couple of years now, and uh, here we are seeing the share price starting to fall back again. 
Yeah, I, I, I think there would. And there'd have to be given the kind of, given the sort of reputation that they brought to the table when they, when they came in for a state, the fact that they were going to, they were going to take this company with, with great potential and, and help to realise its potential. Um, you'd have to ask questions pretty much. If nothing comes out of this, it will really look like the two big decisions that they've made just have come to naught. And you, you would have to be asking, if you were a shareholder, you would have to be asking very serious questions to the people at the top at that point. Well, look, uh, Mark Paul and Barry O'Halloran, I don't think we're quite at closing time as regards C&C and uh, the Spirit Group, but uh, thanks for coming on the programme to discuss the deal. And that's it for this week's Irish Times Business and Technology podcast. I'm Tom Lyons. Uh, my producer was Sinead O'Shea. Uh, on sound engineer was JJ Vernon and my researcher was Declan Connell. <laughs> <laughs>